Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we welcome guest preacher Vicki Dobbs. In the middle of confusion and chaos, we often wonder what God is doing. We may feel like Jesus himself. My God, why have you forsaken me? How do we navigate through chaos? Join us for the message. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. You know, in the middle of confusion and chaos, we often wonder what it is that God is doing. We may even feel like Jesus himself who cried out from the cross, my God, why have you forsaken me? So how do we navigate through this process? Well, join us a little later for our message, Uncertain Faith, When God Doesn't Make Sense. And we're very blessed this morning to have our message brought to us by our guest preacher, Vicki Dobbs, who is up here on the chancel area with me. Vicki is a retired teacher. She's currently a church and community volunteer who is married to the love of her life, Stan, who's up here. Stan, wave your hand. <laughs> They've been married for 35 years. Vicki has a very interesting spiritual journey. She grew up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, among the Amish, and then was raised Roman Catholic, and then as an adult has gone to Bible churches and Baptist churches, but is currently a student at Bright Divinity School at TCU, one of the most progressive um, seminaries that you'll, uh, you'll, you'll be able to go to. So I think Vicki's journey has been very, very interesting. She and I know each other through um, the BioLogos organization. If you recall, whenever I'm going off to some sort of convocation that has something to do with religion and science, it's generally something to do with BioLogos. BioLogos is an organization that promotes scientific literacy among Christians, um, which I believe in quite a bit. And we're all part of the local group that gets together every other month for discussions about theology and religion. Our first reading is the 16th Psalm. Protect me, O Lord, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in this land, they are the noble in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol. Or let, my or let your faithful one see the pit. You show me the path of light. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Our second reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, starting with the first verse. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? 
When they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Good morning. morning. (laughs) So I want to thank Reverend Grainer for inviting me to join you wonderful people in worship today. I've already been blessed. Um, As she mentioned, I met her in a faith and science discussion group, and during that time, gotten to know her a little and really appreciate her intelligence, her curiosity, but most of all, her pastor's heart really Uh, gifted. You are very blessed. And as I got to know your church a little bit through your website, I was absolutely blown away by the Reverend Dr. Garth Baker Fletcher's bio. I mean, the resume goes on and on. It's so uh, incredible. I mean, I couldn't wait to meet him. Um, And I've been blessed by your leadership this morning. In fact, the the song we sang just preached my sermon, so I might just sit down. Um, so this is the Sunday after Easter. We, we are still in the Easter season, right? Um, and I chose an unusual Easter passage. It doesn't end, it doesn't end well. It doesn't end, in fact. There, there's no ending to Mark. It's very odd. It was confusing. And I think sometimes we lose that sense of really what was going on it, shortly on Easter Sunday and and after for a long time. We get to look back and we, quote, have the answers now, which we don't, but we think we do. They were still working it out. Like, this is a week from Sunday. They're still confused. They're still huddled in a room. In So I think about that as being uncertain faith. They still had some faith. They really weren't sure what was going on, and God did not make sense. Things were not going the way they thought they should go. When we look at Psalm 16, it reminds us over and over these ideas of needing and relishing security that we get from God. So, uh, for in you, God, I take refuge. We love that place of refuge. Uh, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Oh, I need those boundaries. I need to know where things start and end. God gives me counsel. Uh, God shows me the path of life. We need security. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is that life doesn't always give it to us, does it? So when we have those disruptions in life, we look to God for answers. We look to our faith community. For Methodists, they rely on the quadrilateral. I love the I love this idea of the you know scripture and tradition, and experience and reason, not only to decide where those boundaries should go, but when it's time to 
move those boundaries a little bit. So in the face of challenges and chaos and confusion, our faith can waver. Our ideas of God can waver. The one you're praying to can change. I'm not sure who that is anymore when when those things happen. Recently, I went to visit um, the World War II Museum in New Orleans. And I'm used to studying World War II maybe like you did in school with the textbooks, from the general's perspective, right? The military generals and the presidents, like, okay, who's making this decision? We're going to move this this squadron over here, and should we drop a bomb or not? And all of those questions. This museum was marvelous because it really dealt with the people on the ground, or the air or the water. It was told from the soldier's point of view, the point of view of the support staff, the medical, the women, and the men who were actually doing the work. And let me tell you, it was confusing. Can you imagine? You, and of course, we didn't have these wonderful things. They didn't have instant access to what was going on in the rest of the world. They didn't have instant access to know you might have just lost a battle, lost people all around you and feeling despair, not knowing that in another sector there was a wonderful victory. It was hugely confusing. Think about times in your own life when things didn't make sense. Maybe it was a bad diagnosis, a tragedy, a loss. Remember how it felt? Remember that I don't know where to go with this. I don't have the answers. I don't know why, why couldn't God fix this, prevent this, all of these things. We forget sometimes what it feels like in the middle of it. Because then we look back, and we might could see beautiful things God did, or it doesn't seem as bad anymore, because now I've got something new that I'm dealing with. Isn't that funny how we work? For me, as uh, we were relating, it was uh, my acceptance in my life at the time of of evolution, that God actually created the universe over billions of years in an evolutionary process and continues the process, that it's not finished, that God continues to create, and it's an ongoing process. When I finally grasped that and then wrestled with what that meant on how I pray and read scripture, I really lost my bearing because that's not, I had a nice little God box it worked. It made sense, and God fit in it. And now, if you had asked me if I put God in a box, I would have told you, no, God is too big for that. But I did. Because once I realized that my God had to get bigger, and I also felt like the rug was pulled out from under me. I didn't know who I was praying to anymore. I really felt lost. But I didn't give up. I had that uncertain faith, and I found other believers, like Reverend Grainer and her sister, who had already worked through or were working through some of the same questions I had. How can we reconcile some of this new science and faith? And during that time when God finally allowed me the experience of God again and connecting, I had this wonderful impression from God that it was okay not to know not to have all the answers, and that it was okay that I was actually on a discovery path with God, and God approved. Because for a while, I felt like maybe I, I left God, or God wasn't approving of me. 
And I actually had a vision of me and Jesus. Instead of me trying to find these nice, firm foundations, Jesus said, let's go, and grabbed my hand, and we leapt into outer space together, joyfully exploring in the darkness. And I believe that God can be in the darkness. You know, I believe that it's likely his apostles felt the same way. Listen to these, the women who go to the tomb, and it says, at the very end of Mark, so they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, your Bible may go on, but it'll probably tell you that anything added after that verse was added later. The original manuscripts end at that verse 8. And afterwards, people had to go, we got to fix this because <laughs> there's something wrong with it. We can't end like this. Do you know Mark was originally, the gospel of Mark was originally not written. It was oral. In fact, it was acted out. So people would go around and they would act out like a play. And eventually someone wrote down the information. And what Mark was doing, if Mark was the author, was inviting us to finish it. You finish the story. We've got to figure it out. Jesus, you know, when people would ask him questions, he would go, well, let me tell you a story about a man who had a field. He didn't answer the question directly. In fact, Jesus didn't lay out a nice map for the apostles. He said, I am the way. Not, there's the way, go walk in it, right? So um, a British author, philosopher, G.K. Chesterton had this metaphor about fences that I think works pretty well. And he says, imagine two people come to a fence in a road. And um, he uses this as a metaphor for foolish and wise reformers. So as we're trying to figure out what do we do and figure out the answers on these, finish the stories. And one person will say, oh, the foolish one will say, well, I don't see the use of this. It's in our way. Let's, Let's move it. Let's clear it away. And the wise person says, wait, slow down. Let's find out why that's here. Maybe there's a good reason. And more recent writers and people who, philosophers who look at that metaphor, use that in comparing with, say, liberal and conservative people. That if you take the most extreme progressives, who radical progressives who want to remove every inherited norm, structure, and definition in society because it gets in their way. And reactionary conservatives want to keep every boundary, no matter if it's useful anymore. They don't know where it's, who put it up and why it was there. <laughs> but by golly, that's the way we always done it. And wisdom, Chesterson says, it's not determined whether the fence is cleared or not or who wins and loses in this polarized battle that is nonsense. It's when we look at why it's there and come together and try to understand whether it's there, whether we need to clear it, change it, reform it, take the barbed wire off of it. You know, I think um, a lot of times when we lose our way, it's one of two reasons. One is that we have a limited view. Our perspective, you know, like the guys on the ground, women as well, on the ground, in the war, they, they, they couldn't see the whole picture. We can't see the whole picture. But the other thing is our concept of God sometimes needs to change. The, the difficulty with that is that we, 
I mean, I know for me, I felt like, well, these are boundaries. This, this can't change. This is who God is. It says here in scripture. And yet, God did change in their concept. Think about, think about when, when God told, showed Peter the vision of in Acts where he drops down this blanket full of all kinds of food that Peter's not supposed to eat. He does it three times. Peter's like, no, 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 I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat that. You told me not to. You know, that's your rule. And God's like, what I declare clean is clean. And then, of course, he leads Cornelius, a Gentile, to faith in Christ. I don't have an answer as far as whether God changes or not on that. I think that our understanding clearly does. And I'm informed, and I know Reverend Grainer will support this, I'm informed by science in some ways. It helps me understand things. The scientific theory of chaos helps us with this, that these small changes in initial conditions in a system that's going along just fine and a little change can send that system into a whole other area, right? It's unpredictable. It feels random, and in the middle of it, it's chaos, if you've heard of the butterfly effect, right? If a butterfly flaps its wings in Africa, on the other side of the world, a typhoon hits, right? It doesn't literally happen that way, but it gives the idea of the just a little change in initial condition. And this, this goes for, like, even systems that we know pretty well, like weather, the, the planets, and how they uh, orbit, um, and fluids, but in chaos theory, these system disruptions do appear random and unpredictable, but they settle around these underlying dynamics that begin to resettle around a strange attractor. It's what the scientists call it. They don't really know what's doing it, what's pulling it, but it's an underlying new determinism of a new beautiful pattern, usually a fractal of some kind, right? So where is God in chaos? I like the metaphor of God as a strange attractor, as the one who somehow brings stuff back. It's chaotic, and why would that be a good metaphor? And I realize that if there's scientists listening, someone's cringing somewhere, because I've oversimplified this whole thing, because <laughs> I am not a scientist. I am definitely not a chaos theory uh, expert. But I do love the metaphor, because it, it keeps God from being this super deterministic, there's only one path for your life, and if you stepped off of it, you've lost it. It keeps from that ultimate determinism, but allows this free will and explains why it feels so chaotic sometimes, right? So in chaos, our uncertain faith and our sense of confusion can become a reminder that we co-create with God at God's invitation. God's Imminent presence is important. So my God box had, it really had God somewhere else. And God is transcendent. I don't want to say God is not. But I had lost the sense of imminence. God is in me. And it's in scripture everywhere. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right? The Holy Spirit fills us. Eventually, the women did tell the good news after, you know, at the end of Mark. Eventually, many other people were telling their stories, the people who were on the road to Emmaus. They shared their stories. We need each other to get that perspective to help us see the bigger picture. We may not even get the full picture, but 
we need each other. We can't just live in our own limited perspectives. We need each other. Together, the apostles and believers wrestled with the events and the meaning. And if you read the book of Acts, it didn't stop. They kept wrestling. Do we let Gentiles in? Do they have to be circumcised? Are we really allowed to eat anything we want now? I mean, on and on and on it goes. And it didn't stop in the book of Acts. Y'all, church history is full of it. Think about Copernicus and Galileo. Full, yeah, I didn't mean it that way. If you think about Copernicus and Galileo finally convincing people, hey, you know, the universe doesn't go around the earth, it goes around the sun. And then later, of course, the universe doesn't go around the sun. Our solar system does. <laughs> We're just a little solar system and a big galaxy, and there's millions of galaxies. On and on it goes. If you can think about how that blew people's minds, like now we take that for granted. It was confusion. It was chaos. It was unsettling. The rug was pulled out from under them. And don't downplay what that feels like. So we are invited to co-create, and we have agency. We have that free will, but our agency is also empowered by the Holy Spirit. God, Jesus said, I will not leave you. I will, leave, I will send the paraclete. I will send the Holy Spirit. So God in us is our new, my new God box. <laughs> it's not a box. But the idea that God is transcendent, and yet God is in creation, ongoing creating, ongoing creating in you and even our enemies, even people we don't like or even don't even believe all this, they're still made in the image of God. Our uncertain faith is okay. Faith is, after all, uncertainty, not certainty. Faith is doubt. I mean, if if you know it's there, and you step on it, right? That doesn't take faith. It takes faith to leap into the nothingness, right? Some theologians say that faith is risk with direction. I've died to think about that a long time. I'll leave that for you to think about some more. But um, our refuge, our place of hope is God, and it's inside of us. So in times of uncertain faith, of confusion and chaos, remember You have a faulty perspective. You need others to help you. And there's a potential of learning something new about God. So leap into cosmic space with God and explore. Enjoy times when the boundary lines fall in pleasant places, like Acts or Psalm 16. But enjoy the times of chaos, believe it or not. Stay in communion, communion with God, and look for opportunities to co-create with God and creation and other people. None of us has the full truth. None of us get it yet. We need to lean in and listen in to others, even our enemies. We need to extend our grace and view others as God views them. That kind of spirituality results in love, and love can mediate conflicts. Love can help us decide together whether we move those boundaries or change them. It doesn't resolve all the differences, but it can improve our tone and tenor as we wrestle. Jesus came as God incarnate to teach us and serve, and he left us to continue working. The job isn't done. We get to co-create ushering in the kingdom of God. In the power of the Holy Spirit, God guiding it, that strange attractor, 
and we do it as faulty incarnations of God to navigate our chaos and co-create holy history. So live in to your uncertain faith. Thank you. Now accept this benediction. Go this week secure in the love of Christ crucified. And may you have the courage to proclaim Christ risen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope today's service was a blessing to you. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Join us again next Sunday as we continue to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can always access our services through our website, tumcd.org, our Facebook page, and our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. If you like what you're hearing, you can also support our ministry with your gift through our website, tumcd.org. God bless you in the week ahead, and we'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.